I decided I needed to get out of the big city for a while to search for cinema spoilers in the wild. So I hopped in my old Camino and I took off for the open road. It wasn't long before I took a left turn into the surreal. A fly landed on my arm and I got the shivers. The sounds of a typewriter filled my ears. And I was so tired I felt like I was in a dead zone. That's when my eyes caught the sight of a sign that said, Welcome to Cronenberg. Behind that sign was a place that was a dead ringer for home. As I pulled in the parking lot, I realized no matter where I go, I can always find the spoiler room. Yes, my friends, thank you for venturing down into the spoiler room and joining us tonight. I warn you, I've just had a drink with three shots of espresso. I have no idea where we're going tonight, but it's going to go, and I may talk like uh, Speedy Gonzalez. But tonight I have a great crew with me as we do our Welcome to Cronenberg episode. Yes, it's that time once again, and today we are looking at David Cronenberg's classic, Scanners from 1981. And with me tonight to talk about this very interesting film, we have none other than the diva of the spoiler room. She is back to talk more Cronenberg. Hello, Dawn. How are you? I am excited to be here tonight. It's always nice to talk to you, Mark and Andrew. Thank you. Well, we are always glad to have you in the spoiler room. It's always a pleasure to get your perspective on things. And speaking of perspective, yes, he is back with us as well. The one and only lovely Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. How are you, sir? I just I gotta recover for from hearing Don say my name. That was just <laughs> I'm such a I sincerely have such a great time talking to you too, man. I like, but I listen to the show, and I you know I'm just I fan out. I don't think she's ever said Andrew before. That was great. God, <laughs> I had something you know usually corny, dumb, or semi vulgar to say, and now I'm just fucking. I've lost it. <laughs> she she scanned me. <laughs> she did scan you she totally scanned me. <laughs> so tonight yes it is scanners 1981 uh now we're once again dealing with mental abilities of people and andrew would you like to give the synopsis of scanners since it involves exploding heads oh yeah yeah man all right so scanners is from david cronenberg i believe this is 81 yeah, yes, no? yep. oh yes. my god, that's just off a of memory. Um, so basically, they got like these dudes that can do all kinds of crazy telepathy, and they got a corporation is trying to like use them as weapons. But the dudes that do telepathy are like, fuck that, we're gonna take over the world, we're gonna get take it all down, we're gonna start our own army of telepathy dudes. And they're like, oh yeah, well, we got this one dude that we pull from the street that's gonna take all y'all down, you just watch. And they're like, okay, and that's scanners. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's a good summary, Andrew. Uh, it's it's uh, that's what's going on because this film really is about. Uh, it moves pretty quick uh, through this all these different ideas, and here we are with scanners. And yeah, we've got uh, once again the theme of uh, you know doctors with I. I don't know, Don. What does Cronenberg have against doctors? What what is it? I've been watching all of these films, and doctors either are inept or bad guys. What is it? Does he have something against doctors? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking probably he does. Probably had a very very bad and 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 memorable experience with with uh, doctors or you know maybe he uh maybe he just participated in a bad lsd experiment back in the 70s i believe it could be both really uh, <laughs> but i just get the impression because i mean here again in this film we have uh doctors who basically are are the bad guys even ones who try to pose as good guys are have actually been bad i mean it's just it's just doing this uh you know retrospective we're doing this year it's just getting me eye-opening going i'm just wondering what it was andrew you uh are a big fan of cronenberg uh what do you think it is about doctors that that david just likes to mess with so much in his films 
I don't know, man. It's just like you got to think about the generation that he comes from and the culture that he comes from, the counterculture, really. Mm-hmm. And so he likes to kind of mess with authority figures of any kind mm-hmm. and sort of like examine what their real intentions are, uh, especially people that like um, are supposedly good, supposedly there to help. Mm-hmm. He likes to really like light those people up because that was, you know, you think about the time period. That's kind of what they did. And so he's very, very, uh, you know, I, I would say almost kind of paranoid about them uh, to, I wouldn't say a fearful degree, but definitely to a degree to which he's uh, happy to ridicule them and to show like, you know, things are not always what they seem. Yeah, it it really always seems to be that sort of thing. Go ahead, Don. I was just wondering, uh, uh, thinking about what Andrew was saying, um, I was just wondering if he had any experience with um, like mental institutions at the time, because that would explain a thing. That oh, that would fit, especially for scanners. Um, that that really falls in line with you know what, especially back in the that time period when. Uh, mental health facilities weren't exactly the best facilities. I mean, now you could argue they still aren't, but that's a good point. Huh? I'm wondering if it maybe is some experience from that. What do you think, Andrew? Um, I think scanners was like really hastily written and one of the, Oh really? One of the least like visionary movies that he made. And so Uh I would doubt it. Oh, okay. I just, I just, I, I think We'll get into it, but I feel like this one he was more concerned with, like, just doing, like, an action science fiction movie. Like, more of a commercial than he'd done before. I don't really see... I would be surprised if there was that much depth, quite honestly. Cool. Yeah, no, and you're right about the action, because, I mean, the film starts off, we're introduced to our our man, uh, who's it, Cameron? I believe his name Cameron is. Cameron Vale. Yes, Cameron Vale, who is looking ragged and haggard and just, you know, he's looking rough. He's in a mall because one time, folks, there were a thing called malls. And in malls, there were food courts where you could sit and eat. It was a beautiful thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I, I know they still have malls today, but just very few. Uh, but and then he hears uh, uh, this older couple, uh, these two ladies talking about him and he totally scanners them. And, and um, I mean, how else to put it? You know, he, he uses his brain to suddenly, what, give her a seizure, basically. Um, I was w- waiting for her head to pop, but it didn't. Uh, but, you know, he hears voices. I mean, we start off with a bang with this film. Uh, and, John, what do you think about how this film starts? Do you think it just sets things up fairly quickly i mean people have seen the poster so going into the film you know what it would kind of to expect but do you think this opening is very fitting where he he nearly causes a stroke and then this guy's being chased by men in in trench coats and i mean how do you think this film started out oh it definitely started out with the bang and, and it it drops you right in the middle of of a situation that you've really got to pay attention to figure out what's going on except parts of it i there were parts of it one very specific part i didn't get that Mm -hmm. really doesn't have anything to do with anything um but just dropping you into that um event where uh he's listening to the women talk about him and complain about him and oh my god he's so disgusting and then gives her the seizure and then he gets shot by the dart. Yeah. Well, I was running. expecting him. I was, and that was really interesting too, because I, you know, you get shot with a dart, you think it's a tranquilizer, but it wasn't. But it kind of was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was, but it wasn't. And we get an explanation a little later from Dr. Ruth. No, not that Dr. Ruth. Um, <laughs> But you thought yeah, it every time someone know. said it. God, I did. Every I'm time. Every time. Uh, we are children of the 80s, that's for sure. Because every time they said Dr. Ruth, I'm like, she wasn't in here. What? 
your your mental abilities are causing you problems with your erection. That's okay. It's all right. Maybe, Man, if she had been the villain. The movie, maybe it would have made the movie a little more interesting to throw a little more sex in there, huh? <laughs> uh, well, then, that's one thing, too. His films seem don't have... Well, they do have some. I mean, we had it in uh, Shivers, but... Yeah, Crash. Uh, lots of, and Crash, we have sex. But they're, they're not in every film. And this one, I guess, it, you know, it wasn't quite fitting, I guess, because it was more focused on the mental ability. Uh, and... What's interesting, yeah, with this opening, Cameron's looking rough, and you've got people making comments about him of how rough he is. And even Dr. Ruth, once uh, Cameron wakes up in the medical bed strapped to it, he mentions his age and how he's looking rough. He's a vagabond at his age. Like, he should be doing more with his life at this point in his 30s. Andrew, Cronenberg was about 38 when he made this film, 37. Do you think he's putting a little bit of himself in, in the role of, of Cameron at all? Or I mean, uh, that, Yeah, I mean, with the stuff he was saying to him was rough, right? I yeah. mean, it was, it was really some, like, tough love or whatever, you know? And, and if you wanted to, like, really kind of flip that over, yeah, he had to have a chip on his shoulder about the kind of movies he was making, how he was kind of on the outside of that industry because of the kind of movies he was making, you know, and Kennedy wasn't like a celebrated director, you know, like, like, uh, like he is now, especially back then he was the kind of guy that they didn't want anything to do with necessarily. So you get, cause I think he's getting his jabs in, you know, through his, uh, through the characters for sure. Yeah. It really felt like it, at least in this opening, when Cameron's strapped to the chair, uh, to the bed, and we realize he has these mental abilities that he's a scanner, as they call him. And uh, then he, the doctor brings in like this huge crowd to just overwhelm the guy mentally. And I'm like, talk about tough love. First, he told this guy that he's like, he looks completely ragged. And man, are you a loser for 35? <laughs> and, and by the way, I know you've got this ability where you can read minds. And oh, yeah, by the way, here's about two dozen minds take that i'm like jesus <laughs> like uh, i suspected something maybe was wrong with dr ruth at that point because um it, it's kind of worn on its sleeve a bit though later on he says he's good but uh we find out no he isn't actually good dr ruth is pretty much no worse than uh any of the other doctors that are part of this what consat uh company and then we get a demonstration of a person who says they're scanners. They're going to relieve, re reveal themselves to the world. And who shows up, Andrew, but Michael Ironside's character, Daryl. And what does this gentleman do? Oh, you're going to give me this one? I'm giving you this one. Y'all are awesome. Um, so there, the setup is there's a, a kind of like a conference room. And uh, you've got like the demonstration of a scanner basis. So you've got like this guy sitting up there on stage. He's like, look, okay, everybody, this is going to hurt a little bit when you get scanned. I just want you to be ready. You might piss your pants. You might poop a little. I'm just warning you. I'm a really powerful scanner. Ironside is back there like, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, can I have a volunteer? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll go up and uh, volunteer. So he goes up, sits next to him. Homie starts to like scan him or whatever, and he starts to scan him, and you find out he's much more powerful. And this is where the movie has its most famous scene. He just makes homie's head just blow up, just like a pow. It's huge. It's one of any list you would see of the best head explosions ever in film. This is if it's not on the top, it's right near the top. It's it's brilliant. It's great. Uh, yeah, because you think maybe he's going to do, you know, his the the guy who's getting scanned by uh, Daryl, by Michael Ironside's uh, character, he's getting a little nosebleed and you're going, oh, he's going to have like a seizure or something inside and his, he's just going to no. fall over dead. No, his head pops like a balloon and yeah. man, full frame and everything. Don, what'd you think of this scene? Does it, uh, does it catch your attention oh, about I loved it? Did you? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Well, you're an Ironsides fan anyway. What do you what do you think of Mr. Ironside in general as as the villain basically in this film? I knowing that the film was rushed, knowing that he was still writing the script as they were fil that um 
Mm -hmm. Cronenberg was still writing the script and uh, scrambling to finish it as they were filming um, makes me just more impressed with Michael Ironside's Michael Ironside's ability as an actor. He's just fantastic. He doesn't need to do much to exude that tremendous presence he has. The poor man, unfortunately, usually gets cast as villains, uh, but there's a reason for that. <laughs> he does it so well. Well, it, this this had to be a really early movie for him, and yeah. he was only supposed to be like in a few scenes, but mm-hmm. because him being him, it it turned out to be much more. And he was actually really great because um, I, I thought he did very well as being a a opposite, the evil opposite of our good guy Cameron, who you know is a guy who's got his powers, but he hasn't really embraced his powers, even when it comes down to it. You know, I mean, he uses them as almost like a last ditch effort. You know, and, and so I like the difference between these two. Andrew, what'd you feel about Mister? Ironside's uh, Daryl and him as a villain. Uh, well, I mean, Ironside, Mike Ironside just, it's hard to see him as anything but a villain after you, when you come into this movie, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's the first movie I saw him in, but this had to have been one of them. And he's just a sinister dude, you know? He just, <laughs> he's not afraid to lay right into it, you know? But that's not to discredit Cronenberg for all his, like, you know, for how difficult of a production this was. Ironside has to trust Cronenberg as a director to be like, is it cool if I should I be flipping out? Should I be like, you know, making my mouth look like a giant rubber band all the time? Should I make lemon face when I'm scanning people? He, you know, you have to feel like the director is then going to do right by you when you're going that big with a performance. So, um, yeah, I thought he was great. And unfortunately, the guy that played Vale, I think when he's not talking, he's really good with his body language and his expressions. But I didn't buy it um, him when uh, when he was speaking. Yeah, Cameron Vale, played by a S- Stephen Lack, his, his dialogue lines delivery wasn't always the most convincing. And obviously, it's tough when you're doing scenes with someone like Ironside who just throws himself into a character and especially his early roles as a villain. He's just, I mean, you don't see Ironsides in this film. I mean, you look at him, but it's Daryl. It, it, this guy is just totally there and, and into it. And the way he's dropping every line is just dripping with something. And, and then you've got uh, Cameron who, yeah, he's fine with all the motions and the body language. But I found that too, that when he t- was trying to deliver lines in that, it felt just a little bit more like he was just reading from memory rather than acting them. Don, how'd you feel about the performance of, of Mr. Stephen Lack in here? Oh, I, I agree. You're, um, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, needs to work, needed to work on that line mm-hmm. delivery a little more, but I think he was probably cast more for the, physical acting as opposed to the verbal dialogue yeah because you bought into his physical i mean when he's scanning someone you're like oh man he's scanning so i mean he got the the look his eyes and and the motions and everything and what's interesting is when when you're scanning them like this scene the first scene where we get introduced to daryl by Ironside's character what i got a kick out of and i noticed was at first the way Ironsides plays this is great because at first when they're doing the scanning, he's letting the guy scan him a bit and he's acting like, Oh, this is discomfort. And then when he switches the tables, you know, when he switches the scanning because he gets a smile on his face. And I think this goes with what you were saying, Andrew, about the direction. He gets that occasionally in some other spots too, where at first it looks like he might be in a little pain and then he gets his smile like, Oh, I've got you um on his face and i that's what i loved about it uh you know it is you could tell that th- this guy enjoys causing pain <laughs> to just about anyone um but so cameron uh, gets recruited by comsat to infiltrate daryl's group of underground scanners because we learned that there are what like 230 some 
scanner actually recorded. And so Cameron kind of goes underground. And this is the part I, I'm glad you guys mentioned it rush. Cause I was, I didn't have a chance to really look up things for the production, but this felt a little rushed on where suddenly Cameron is going to someone's house who is like, this is like this refuge for scanners who are trying to peacefully learn their abilities. And I almost felt like there was something missing in there. Did I, did I miss something or did, was it just rushed Dawn? Because this section I'm like, suddenly he's like going to this house and everything. And I'm like, wait, who are these people? <laughs> it, it I didn't feel like it was established that well. It, or did I miss something? Or, or was it just kind of rushed to where suddenly he's at this refuge for scanners? They, um, it, it did feel not well explained. But when he went to see the artist, mm -hmm. he got from the uh, gallery owner, from scanning the gallery owner's brain, mm. that that would be how to, the best place to infiltrate to find out where Daryl Ravick would oh, be. You're right. I'm I totally I totally had forgotten at that point about the uh the gallery scene with the artist who was a scanner and and he created his art. But okay, but still it wasn't that well explained. <laughs> yeah, because he went from the he went from the gallery scene to the artist's house where right. holy cow that was a lot of buckshot and he got that artist got shot a really lot. I, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, he, he kept just getting shot with the with the buckshot spray. Continuously, yeah. And, wow. <laughs> there were a lot of squibs there. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the artist's sculptures in that, and, and especially like the one where it was the head. Went into the head? With that the was head. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this guy's place is awesome, and he's got this head that you can crawl into, which, again, is the imagery of, of scanners because he's trying to deal with it. Um, so, yeah, okay, you're right. The, the art gallery is the part where it was explained uh, a bit, though it just seemed a little rush. Andrew, what do you think of our artist? You you, you being uh, an artist yourself, what do you think of that character in, in this scene with the excessive buckshot? I mean, it was cool because you don't want him to just come into like a warehouse or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. so him walking into the artist's space is like walking into his head. And then you see he's actually got an installation that is supposed to represent his head. It's just that that, that scene of maybe any of them had actual kind of meaning to it for me and from that I was getting from Cronenberg. Like he really seemed to have thought about that. You know, and mm -hmm. I, I was I thought that was really, really great. And in terms of how many times he shot, that's just kind of like why they had to put that head explode in there. You need to know what these people can do and just how deadly they are. Right. You know, and by having them just light that guy's ass, you know that the, this is they will stop at nothing. And that's how serious they are and how single minded they are. And also the film, like a lot of movies were at that time and definitely like would be for a few more years very concerned with special effects almost to like a detriment i think <laughs> and so they're not just going to have one bullet hit uh he's going to just you know they're going to go all out with it because they could finally do that free from censorship you know well yeah because you had those what those late those 70s drama uh crime dramas and and crime action films that had the excessive blood and such that they could get away with and it felt similar to that here <laughs> you know i mean uh a little bit more along the lines of uh the older school the 70s exploitation type films i mean they've got this guy getting shot in slow-mo and you're watching just the blood packs like just shoot out of the guy and i'm like holy crap uh, you know, and then and then of course uh, Cameron does his thing and takes out all the uh, all the attackers, uh, who at first, you know, I was still trying to figure out the attackers now were sent by Daryl, right, or were they sent by Comsat? <laughs> I I, that, I don't know that that was explained. I, you know, because we get two sets of killers. We get the killers at the artist's house, and then uh, you get the killers again, which Daryl's sitting outside, 
and then you get the killers again at the the refuge where uh you know cameron is and you get that great chase scene and explosion and everything and action sequence but i i was still trying to figure out okay were these guys sent by daryl but they're humans not scanners so i don't think daryl would bother with them kind of like magneto um or did he send the humans to kill the scanners uh andrew was it comset that sent these people or was it daryl I had the feeling that, that Ravik was pulling the strings, man, and he was making the calls. So these, I feel like, were probably just goons for him. I have, uh, on more than one occasion when watching this movie, wondered why these guys, if they were scanners, why they just didn't come in to, like scanning everything up, you know? But it's right. possible they didn't want to expend that energy uh, in case they needed it. Uh, but it does seem odd in a movie where everybody can blow shit up with their head why they would be having guns you know right which and and that's where my confusion was in because i felt like maybe these guys were humans and not scanners you know but then that wouldn't fall in line with daryl's whole thing of well scanners are superior and we're going to create a new race uh a new kingdom an empire full of scanner people and these people are are all going to either get bit or be servants and i'm like it was just odd i because i was hoping for a little bit more of some mental warfare going on uh, yeah. no you're right and it was probably done for budgetary reasons that may be why they have that one goon that's like totally not a scanner <laughs> <laughs> just by to, to provide contrast in case somebody had a question right but it, go ahead but Doc. it, it might have just been the fact that he used them simply for the fact that they were disposable to see how powerful Vale was because look at what Vale did to them. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, also who entered into the uh, picture, uh, Kim, who is the, uh, the uh, woman who was leading this group of peaceful scanners trying to get and embrace their power. She set these dudes on fire. <laughs> I mean, she's pretty powerful in her own right. Because um, I thought she, because she was the one that set him on fire, wasn't she? Or was it Cameron? I, I thought it was them because she screamed. Uh, and then those guys got lit up who who busted in with the shotguns, shooting, uh, shooting up the uh, other peaceful scanners. Um, but yeah, it was this, this section left me a little bit like, okay, I think I'm following what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but it, now that you guys mentioned about things being rushed, it, it, this part really, and this is near the middle, this part did feel rushed a bit. Uh, though it, do, it does give you an interesting car chase for a film like this. Uh, they actually do uh, some stunt work in here, which I was impressed with, um, including a car crash and explosion, which <laughs> those dudes... <laughs> Don, the car's on fire. The guys stop and say, oh, we got to get him out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I chuckled at and, that. I'm and, like, go ahead. And they're arguing that they spent a ridiculous amount of time arguing about it. <laughs> right. And, at first, maybe I thought he was controlling, but he wasn't controlling those guys. Those guys just like, oh, we got to get him out of the car. I'm like, it's engulfed in flames. <laughs> get him out for what? <laughs> you know, so they're, they're making No, that part didn't quite make sense for their motivation. I mean, it almost felt like it was just solely to get them to stop. So then we get the, you know, uh, Vale doing the mind control thing, making people shoot. Uh, one another which um you know he seems to do a, a number of times throughout this film uh and yeah it was just it was just an odd setting and, and setup that they had in here andrew did you did you think this was a little odd how we got the guys or like we got to get them out of there and that car was just engulfed like right away uh i mean i always i, I because i'm a fan of cronenberg i think of his movies like chronologically mm -hmm. you know and the right before this is the, the he made that movie Fast Company, which is a, a sports drama about race cars. Oh, okay. 
So <laughs> I, I think he was, and because he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an auto racing aficionado. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, him just coming off of having made that, I think probably just, just a little, he just seemed to be in more an action mode in general for this movie and uh, a lot lighter lifting in terms of some people say that the story of, of scanners is complex, but I, I disagree. I actually think it's pretty, it's, it's very, it's, it's pretty basic uh, compared to something like the brood, but um, I, I don't think it's complex. I, I just think it's a little convoluted in terms of the action. Crimes of the century is complex. This one is, you're right, more action for sure. This is more an A to B to C kind of film. And though you have uh, an odd, you know, the, these people with the odd abilities and rather scary abilities, um, it is, I think, out of all of them, the films we've had so far really feels like the most, almost like the most commercial product. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, of of the films we've watched so far, Don, would you agree about that? That uh, especially, I mean, because this action scene was just one example of of a number of the things that play out here. That this feels a lot more mainstream for Cronenberg than his earlier stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not entirely certain that's his fault, though. I mean, it had the potential to be more complex, and I think that due to circumstances beyond his control, he had to. He had to just deal with what he had to work with, right? Which made it a, a lesser movie to some extent than his other movies. And not that it's a bad movie; it's a fun movie. It's it's enjoyable to watch, but it's not. Yeah, it's much more simple and and less. There's less depth to it than there should have been because the the potential is definitely there. Well, yeah, I mean, the potential is there, and you really don't get into even the motivation of Daryl until the very end for the reveal. Um, but other th than that, I mean, the things are pretty predictable. Cameron breaking into the one place and getting into the computer and learning there was a secret project, and of course, Dr. Ruth was attached to it, and it involves this chemical. Again, we have a... Uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I, every time I think about... Every time I think about the name of this chemical, ephemeral, I it, the first word that pops into my brain is extremis. Oh. <laughs> so I, I know that that's not it, but it still makes me laugh because that's a whole different movie. That is. That is a whole different film. But yeah, uh, ephemeral. And folks, we learned that ephemeral was used in an earlier project. Uh, with folks and that's how Cameron and Daryl came to be because uh, their their mother had it and they ended up getting this side effect because it was supposed to be like a tranquilizer wasn't it like the next volume of sorts um, it's never quite really gone in depth but we get all this exposition later on uh, near the end of the film when uh, Daryl finally catches up with Cameron and you're wondering why didn't he kill him and then you find out why. Uh, <laughs> I, I, nothing here really is, it, it does wear a lot of these, uh, I think it wears a lot of the reveals on its sleeve. And, and Andrew, uh, with, you know, you've made fantastic films in that. Would you say, though, that they don't pretty much hide anything? I mean, they give the reveals, but you pretty much see it coming, don't you? with a lot of the uh, stuff that happens in this third act where we learn about Dr. Ruth and the origins of the scanners. Yeah. I mean, none, none of it's like a huge shock, but I don't think it was meant to be an aha kind of thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I think he really was just, it really was kind of ABC um, with the, with the character arcs and all of that uh, kind of thing. I mean, it's not, there was no heavy lifting meant. <laughs> so I don't, <laughs> I don't think he was trying to get you. I just think, there was there was story points that he had to hit and he hit him when he needed to and mm -hmm. that was kind of that um you know but <laughs> I, I think if you were watching a movie called scanners the average person's not looking for much more than what they get from this <laughs> you get a lot of fun i mean don mentioned it it is it is a very very entertaining film don't get me wrong i have a blast with it i mean if you're a fan of ironside at all you you've got to enjoy this film uh you know lemon face and all yeah uh, although i i prefer him in 
Uh, he did the one he did right after this visiting hours actually like more and mm -hmm. I like him more in, but the villain role is just going to be by nature more fun than, uh, than uh, being the hero or whatever. But uh, he still he had to do so much with, with his face to convey things that were going on in his mind. There's just only so much you can do. And then, you know, they get, they stick those freaking blow up balloons on his head, which, Oh man, this final battle between mental battle between Cameron and Daryl. Oh, that was wild, man. You're right about the balloons. Holy crap. Cronenberg didn't hold back in this finale. <laughs> like sitting there going what the hell i mean again we got bleeding veins kind of like what we had in the brood but to like the extreme um but you know what for for 81 i thought they actually looked well and and kind of scary don what'd you think of the the this final battle with daryl and cameron and, and and the special effect makeup effects they do with this I, I enjoyed them quite a lot, actually. Um, I was kind of watching them going, oh, that's really neat. That would never happen, but that's so totally neat. Um, <laughs> we've... <laughs> Don's, I, I Don's we've medical talked... background is a little handicapped. <laughs> She's like, yeah, damn it, no. Doing a little bit. Um, I know we've talked in the past about other movies about how uh, psychic phenomena are much harder to convey, especially... Mm -hmm. back in the early 80s when when we didn't have all the fancy cgi that you could put all these little ripples and waves and whatnot like in scarlet witch does um but i think they did a really fantastic and and good job of showing the violence of this level of telepathy mm -hmm. and and psychic attack I mean, because it, that's really what it conveyed was the violence of this invasive mental power. Well, and I thought they did well at conveying the fact that the person applying the power, it's not exactly all ice cream and, and rainbows for them either to do this ability. I mean, the yeah, sweat. It was, it was definitely painful and unpleasant for both parties. Yeah, the sweat breaks out on them constantly. They get their eyes get real big um, <laughs> as they're concentrating. And apparently, when you get two really powerful ones, they really inflate your veins. <laughs> so, Andrew, how'd you feel about this? This see with the makeup effects, though. Of that did did you enjoy this uh, a bit of it? Did you did you think it looked even as a little over exaggerated as did you did you was it kind of believable at least that these mental effects were having this kind of uh, effect physically on them? Uh, you know what? I hate to do this, but in all fairness, I was asked to be on this one. I did not volunteer to be on this one. It's not one of my favorite Cronenberg movies, but I think I'm going to quote Glenn on this. Glenn. <sighs> <laughs> A wise man once said, <sighs> I just. I am not a fan of the air bladder effect. I don't care what movie it's in, The Howling, um, The Beast Within. I just don't like it. And I understand they had to find a way to do this stuff. And, you know, with res all respect to Dick Smith, he is brilliant. He's the guy that did this stuff. Cronenberg's movies, usually I'm on board with the effects. But this movie, I'm just not. I mean, the exploding head for all its, like, awesome shit. And it's, it is great. Cut to right next to it. No one's got a drop of blood on them. Not the fucking table. Not Ironside. Not the entire splash row in the front. No one's got any blood on them from this effect. That that almost negates it for me when I watch it. Mm -hmm. And and then the bladder thing. Like they're not even working right. It when it busts open and the things. Ah, what even supposed to happen? It doesn't work. <laughs> it isn't working right. The only thing that the, I feel the most effective effect. It's mostly just Ironside's face, him stretching his face. And when they give him the scleral lens where his eyes completely white, where he's just, I'm going to suck your dick. I mean, brain dry. <laughs> he, he, he is, he is taking the guys, you know, swallowing his soul or whatever. Right. With the white, that looks great to me. Wonderful, mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful. But I just think, it's just typical of the 80s where they want everything in bright light and they want to show everything and respect to Cronenberg for doing that. The fire looks great and it's all in the camera. 
They're not trying to fake you out. I get it. I appreciate it. I'm just saying the overconfidence in the bladder effect in many of movies around this time. <laughs> it, it, unfortunately, as cool as it looked, and I appreciate it, and I, I liked it. Uh, you're right, though. When I'm sitting there going, when it first appeared, I'm like, okay. And then they kept going, and then it got more and more. And then it was just a little bit comical. Uh, not so much on Ironsides with half his face, but with our man Cameron and his entire face pulsating with the veins of that. And then he rips them open with the blood. I'm like, oh, there's the David Cronenberg body horror I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, man. If they just had. It was worth it watching him rip it right off. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You're absolutely right. That's a good point. I mean, if they just had a tad more cocaine, I think it would have been. But it was a very low budget. This was the last scene. They were running short on budget. Uh, you know, <laughs> they already got their last key for the cast. So I just think um, that, man, they just stayed with those bladders and all those movies I mentioned where they're just, and they're thinking, this looks great, don't it? Nobody went, no, it doesn't, man. Like, just <laughs> quit cutting to it, buddy. Well, it, you you do make a good point. Maybe in this case, because up until this point, less was actually more with a lot of this in that outside of the exploding head, most of the mental abilities, we just got a close up, you know, a little bit of setup and the way they framed it. And then the guys bust into a sweat and they kind of get the expression on their face. And then something happens to the person they're looking at, but they like fly through the air or something. You know, it, it's not as ridiculous. Maybe if they would have just given these guys both the white clouded lens to where their eyes completely cloud over there are and, some veins going on in the sides you know it just i'm not trying to say it's not any good i'm just saying that you know it's i it isn't the it isn't some milestone of effects work <laughs> no no it not at all i i no not at all I, if i implied that no i i don't think it uh, it was either um they had you know, fun it, they worked hard and you know they pulled off their effects and i'm sure people were like oh shit but uh I don't feel that way when I watch it the way I do some other things uh, well, from that time. Uh, well, we are talking uh, 81 in that. And it's interesting that this film is nestled in between the brood and Videodrome because we get the Videodrome, which we covered last year, I think, or the year before. And that film, wow, <laughs> that is one of those films where it's, just a little bit different than Scanners. Um, it's spirit of Cronenberg still there, but it, it definitely is different. But this one, yeah, is, is pretty much, to this point for sure, his most commercial and straight up, uh, here's the trend of what's going on in eighties, early 80s horror. And you get all of the tropes that, that you have, you know, in early 80s horror um, in here. And although I will say, and I drew a little bit of a parallel, and again, Andrew, uh, you can you can slap my hand if I'm making too much of it, if I think it's too deep. But when we see the charred body at the end, uh, because Cameron and, and Daryl are fighting so hard that eventually Daryl ca uh, Cameron catches fire and Daryl seems to uh, going to die. And we, we think Cameron's winning. Uh, but he's on fire and then Kim wakes up and she comes in the other room and then you see the charred corpse of Cameron. Was it me, Andrew, or did that look a bit like the sculptures from the artist? No, you're absolutely right, man. That's a really, that's a really good observation, you know, cause the whole, the whole thing about that scene is you're not supposed to be sure who won. Mm -hmm. You know, because because uh, you got a guy over there in the corner with his jacket over him, so you're supposed to be a moment where like, what exactly happened? Like I felt that was well played, um, but in terms of the way that it that body looks, absolutely, I think that was a callback. I've never thought about that. But that is totally. I bet you it was. Yeah, it just got me wondering. You know, what if the artist maybe that's one of the images he pictured people's bodies on fire because it resembled a lot of the sculptures that he had in his art gallery, and and it just kind of felt that way. Don, uh, what did you think of that that corpse at the end? Do you think maybe that was a bit of a callback to those sculptures, or uh, just a coincidence? I, I thought maybe? the exact same thing. I thought that was intentional. 
okay, good. <laughs> then I'm not exactly making a mountain out of molehill because I looked at that going, wow, that that really, I mean, the way the the pose was and, and the way it looked, I'm like, maybe that's what the artist was picturing in his head. And that's how he kept his power at bay is by expressing those visuals he had in his head of, of you know, setting people on fire um, as his art, which I'd love to have one of those sculptures uh, for sure. And yes, folks, again, it, to fit in with the fact that this is a very commercial piece of film, not horrible, it's Cronenberg, I do enjoy it. We even get a, a, a stinger ending, Don, with what has yeah, happened... What has happened with our man Cameron and Daryl? What is the actual outcome of this battle? So as uh, Kim walks in and finds the husk of a cor burned corpse on the ground and, oh, Cameron, oh, Cameron, and uh, realizes that there's a huddled form under a coat in the corner and then all of a sudden it's Cameron's voice coming from Daryl's body. Yeah. So who did actually win in the end? Yeah. Uh, uh, Daryl did say he was going to consume and become one with Cameron. So who actually won? I was wondering that. Andrew, What's your opinion? Who actually won the battle since Cameron's now in the body of Daryl? Oh, definitely the bad guys won. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen any more of the Scanner movies or just this? One? I have not, unfortunately. No. Okay. Well, they won. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they won. Uh, yeah. Do they play with later the conflict of the two consciousnesses in, in the one body then or? Do we, do we want to talk about this? I mean, I've got really only one thing to say, and it's not a very popular thing to say, <laughs> but maybe we'll get to that after we're done with our final whatevers. Uh, just okay. remind me and I'll say it. Okay. Regarding okay. the sequels. Sure, sure. We can we can visit those at the end. And yeah, I think, I think we will wrap it up because out of all of them, it surprised me out of all the ones we've watched so far, uh, this one really isn't, as Andrew mentioned, uh, not a lot going on that we're used to with a Cronenberg film. Um, it, there's hints of it there, but it really feels, and I'm wondering if the studio just didn't really stick their nose a lot into it, or if he was forced into a specific lane of producing this because he has become popular at this point. Um, you know, a, a popular director as far as uh, making these type of films. I'm wondering if the studio kind of forced him into that lane of, of making a little bit more straight laced film, or if he just felt like taking a break and like, you know, I've done all this heavy stuff. I think I'm just going to do something light with people's heads blowing up and veins and such. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so I'm not sure on that, uh, but it still is entertaining film, I think. And I think we'll wrap it up tonight with our final thought. And then uh, Andrew, you can uh, tell us a little bit about the sequel too, because I am, I am curious about that. So, uh don we'll start with you uh what's your your final thought with scanners would you still recommend it out of the uh library of cronenberg films i always think things are worth watching i mm -hmm. mean maybe if you're not enjoying it it's you're not the target audience and that's okay sure um uh one thing that i wanted to mention was the the score and just the soundtrack in general sure. uh, was incredibly, I thought that was really effective because it was jarring and overwhelming in a lot of scenes. And it was supposed to be representative of the overwhelming noise, which the scanners were constantly barraged with, especially the powerful ones. And I thought that was a really good uh Thing that Cronenberg uh, actually did, one of the few really good things Cronenberg did. And then <clears throat> the one thing that drove me absolutely nuts through the entire film, it, it made no sense <laughs> whatsoever. And it, it, it just even now, it's bothering me to think about it. Why the hell did they give the injections in the hand? Good point. <laughs> 
you would have thought maybe back of the neck or something instead of the hand. Any place except for the hand. Yeah. Yeah, well, I imagine your your medical experience also helped with that going, like, one of the more ineffective places to inject them. I mean, you can put, I mean, you can put things in the top of the hand, but that's not where he was injecting. It was the palm of the hand. Yeah. Makes no sense. Okay, or the, I'm done. Or, or the thumb. <laughs> As well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it would have, I think, been more effective with base of skull or or anywhere else inside leg you know just jab them somewhere shoulder uh, <laughs> but no the hand yeah i'm not sure why the hand at all uh, and i don't I'm think not it's a phlebotomist. huh i'm not a phlebotomist oh well no but still it's it's a good point it is definitely an unusual spot where we normally see in films like this where people get injections so uh it is a good point i hadn't thought about that too much but you're right um uh, uh, it is calls into questions a bit. Why specifically the hand? Uh, who knows? Uh, because they don't like reach their hand out like the force. You know, they aren't like Jedi Knights and like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe Jedi's don't go, but <laughs> the older ones, maybe. I don't uh, know. If you cut all that music and sound effects out, they're, they're doing that. They're doing that. <laughs> the gnat the, the sound with the Jedi. They're like all, and you know, and people are going, Obi Wan, what are you? What are you passing a stone or something? <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> Andrew, what your, your final thoughts with, with with scanners here, and uh, anything else uh, you, you'd like to maybe add to it? Please, uh, by means. scanners is not one of my favorite by Cronenberg. It's never been one of my favorite. It's basically notable for um, the great exploding head. And uh, Michael Ironside's performance, and that's uh, pretty much it. It's an mm -hmm. inferior movie to everything that he made before it and everything that he made after it, I think. Um, I would, He, for some reason, is not allowing a remake to be done. And I think at right now would be the best time because I think one. I don't know who mentioned it, but it is very superhero-y, very X-Men-y. And um, they could really reinvent Scanners as a superhero property of some kind. And just mm -hmm. get away from the whole head explode legacy and just make it a TV series or something. But apparently, the guy who um, who made the uh, saw, yeah, wanted to do it, and he said no. And I'm guessing because he probably knows that's not the way to go with this thing. This is not. I don't even think a horror. This is a sci-fi action movie with some gore in it. Uh, no more than RoboCop is a horror movie. You know. Uh, yeah. You make a good point. Yeah, this is not really horror. <laughs> yeah, so that was that's he may let somebody do it. That's going to take it in. It would be great to see it uh, presented more of like a yeah, like a superhero kind of action thing. Um, but I was so I was talking about earlier. There are f in the early nineties, ten years after this movie was made, they just chucked out four sequels to this. Four, was it four? Really? Only oh. there was Scanner Two, Scanner Three. And then they did Scanner Cop and then S Scanner Cop 2, but I don't think that was the title. It was something else. But there were, f yeah, there were four. Uh, and and um, I don't want to say they're all better than Scanners because that would be really mean. But Scanner Cop is totally better than Scanners. <laughs> is is that playing off the what you were mentioning before where they're playing taking it from a different approach and, and does Scanner Cop have scanner abilities and he use that to fight crime or is, is They've, it's just taken almost the same story as this, putting writing it way better. I'm sorry. That's just what they, did. <laughs> they really just take it and, and actually probably roast it. It's got some neat effects in it too. Mm -hmm. watch the trailer and say I'm wrong. It's <laughs> just, it's, I'm sure people are going to go, Oh, what? I'm sure somebody's going to go, <sighs> but for real, this is, this is how I feel about it. A big fan of Cronenberg. I'm telling you, Scanner Cop's the best. Nice. Well, we'll have to check that out. Maybe even put it on our list. If uh, <laughs> now you have my curiosity peak, because I had heard of Scanners two and three. I didn't. I wasn't familiar at all that there was a Scanners Cop. And now they did like one a year, man. I were I was working at a video store, and I'm like, what is up with all these Scanner? There was like, yeah, there was almost one a year in the mid or the early nineties. They just kept cranking them out. I don't even know who liked them, but um. They weren't, I didn't feel that bad, but definitely 
I'm gonna say it one more time. Scanner cops better than scanners. <laughs> and there you have it, folks, uh, from the man himself. Uh, I fully honest, back in the day, got transfers and scanners mixed up because <laughs> there were because oh. there were almost as many transfer movies as scatter films. So yeah. I, I because the names were so similar, and in some cases the 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 cover wasn't you know they they both had interesting covers but it was like I'd always get those two mixed up. I just and, imagine if Charles Band had gotten a hold of his transfer versus scanners. Oh, dude! <laughs> You'd be like, what is this? Like bears versus bears? Like this doesn't even <laughs> dragon versus dragon, Dracula versus Dracula. There you go, Dracula versus Dracula. You know, you could make. Come on, it's Charles Band. He would figure out some way to work merchandising into it. You know, and, you know, uh, uh, Matheson. You know, <laughs> who would want to see uh, Ironsides in a, uh, a Charles Band film with um, uh, <laughs> Tim Thomerson? Who is it? Tim Thomerson. Tim Thomerson. Thank you, Jack Matheson. Death. Yes. Yeah. Tim Thomerson yeah. and Iron Michael Ironside's Mono Imano. Come on. <laughs> Thomerson the- and Ironside in Demonic Toys versus Toys Demonic. <laughs> <laughs> and you could find the new Toys Demonic f- action figures on Charles Band's Full Moon website. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes, I think we'll wrap it up tonight. Um, I want to thank you both for joining me. Uh, Andrew, thank you for hopping on. Even if this isn't uh, your favorite Cronenberg, I, I, I appreciate you uh, coming in and, and talking about it as well. And as we do with all our Cronenberg uh, episodes, we're going to leave Cronenberg once again. And what is one thing you learned and you take away from scanners as we leave Cronenberg uh, for today. Dawn? Don't use experimental drugs that your doctor gives you for any reason. There you go. Good advice. Good. That's that's good advice, no matter how insistent he is. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, how about you? One thing to take away from Cronenberg uh, scanners as we leave Cronenberg. If you stare at a pregnant lady and her baby scans you and blows you up, you deserve that shit. (laughs) (laughs) She did kind of deserve it. I'm like, how do you not know you're already being scanned? Leave, leave. You got to wait till your nose bleeds. What the hell? (laughs) It's just pregnant women. Just, you know, the the agency's gone. You know, people are like, oh, you're just a vessel now. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. Just stare at you, talk about you. Baby's like, oh, if you don't, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, yes, and I, the one thing I took away from scanners as we leave Cronenberg is that the computer is like a nervous system, and people with scanners can merge with said system. <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> from an IT perspective. <laughs> The phone much, was bleeding. The what, Don? The phone was bleeding. The phone was bleeding. Uh, we got a close-up of a circuit board frying. How did uh, you love though all those old school computers in this? Like, oh, I loved the I. What I loved, and it took me a minute to get used to it, was he's typing on the computer, looking up this project ripe, where he learns that that's his origins, basically. And every time he'd hit the enter key or whatever, you hear the click in the background of the tapes of, of yeah. the reels. Yeah. <laughs> I like, love how every every key he hits, it shows on the screen like computers are the thing. <laughs> it doesn't, but he does have some humor in there though with that guy too. But he's like, if you don't do this, I'm gonna kill you. He's like, all right. Yeah, yeah, the computer tech guy. He was such a computer tech guy. He's like, he was. He's like, it's gonna explode you and probably kill me too. But what the fuck, man? He's like, okay, you want to do this? All right, fine. Here's fine. what's gonna happen. Move. I'm telling you now. Move out of the way and let me click the keys. Um, <laughs> you're right, Don. The melting phone was very cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know why the phone booth exploded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but why it not? was why not at that point you've got a phone melting and and the the power line melting and it, we exploded a gas station and a computer 
uh, server room. Uh, so why not blow up the the phone booth as well? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what what drugs the Canadians were getting a hold of, making those decisions. And and I I did like because you do have the computers and their computers are cool because this is the early '80s, so computers are so wow. Um, everybody tried to work it in every movie. Uh, this one you even get credits in computer. It's like the old EGA monitor style. Yeah. It's in the old monochrome. I'm like watching it like, oh, they're doing the credits in the old monochrome <laughs> screen. I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. You know, <laughs> um, Though, folks, I don't care what you believe in the 80s, especially they did not have a self-destruct that they could just do <laughs> on the computer that would just, you know, melt, melt the entire computer. Uh, now he'd be like, Download the iOS update. No, we'll lose all of our... <laughs> update it or I'll kill you. Okay. <laughs> Where's all my iTunes? <laughs> <laughs> The poor, the poor, uh, the poor uh, psychic uh, scanner guy would be just caught in a loop trying to update, but he couldn't complete his update, and then he's updating, and so he just sits in the phone booth forever while he's waiting for his updates to update, and he and he can't, and suddenly he turns blue, and all of this text rolls across his face, and then he blue screens, and he dies, and there you go. Uh, <laughs> I just just more like a frayed power cord just blows his head up. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much. And folks, I hope you enjoyed this discussion tonight of this interesting Cronenberg uh, film that's a little breakaway from uh, the others that we have. But uh, fear not, we will be getting back into a little more uh, obscure uh, stuff when we hit uh, the dead zone next month. So stay tuned for that. And now this is where I give my fantastic guests the license to shill. So go ahead, Don. Tell them where they can find your reviews at. Sometimes you can find things at intheaudience.net. I've actually been thinking about writing, but then I do gardening instead. That, there's nothing wrong with that. Gardening's a wonderful thing. <laughs> gardening's a wonderful thing, especially your garden, because your your garden looks just freaking awesome. So It's going to be so much fun once we put the fish in. That That's going to be cool. So, uh, yeah, gardening. There you go, folks. Gardening and then movie reviews. Uh, but check out all the great written reviews she has up there. Some wonderful stuff. And speaking of wonderful stuff, Andrew, go ahead, please, sir. Uh, shill your stuff. Hey, man, this has been a pleasure. And uh, it was, you know, honestly, if you're like, hey, Andrew, um, me and Don want to talk about Carrot Top, chairman of the board, I'd be like, fuck, I'm, you know, I just, it's, it's, I enjoy it's such it's so good to talk to, to the two of you. Uh, let's see, what do I have? Uh, currently on Amazon Prime, you can watch my movie Space Boobs in Space. Yay! <laughs> it's still yeah. up there. Yay! Well, I uh, that's a whole thing how I got it back, but I'm not seeing the kind of coin I used to on it. So yeah, play it on a loop in your crib. I'll be very uh, very happy about that. Do that. <laughs> it's fun. It I is promise. fun. And, and you got stuff on YouTube, too, as well, right? I was going to say, look at G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. You're going to hit us against some DVD, some Blu-ray, some free thing, some I don't know what, some blog, a dumb video. Just, you know, do it, man. Gonzorific is great stuff. And, yeah, check it out. It's, it's a lot of fun. Space boobs in space is just one of the many fun things uh, that are out there. Um, in fact, I think I'm looking at my... Uh, Dr. Uh, Humpenstein DVD right here. So uh, <laughs> his erotic, what is it, erotic couch? I believe uh, it is. One uh, of those things. Just, yeah. you know, <laughs> it, 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 you're, you'll be happy. You'll be happy, you're yes. Happy. And, 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 and then you get to hear the fantastic talent of, of Tanya Atomic singing for some of his films, too. Oh. Theme song for Space Boobs and my favorite that I listen to, Bikini Gorilla. Bikini Gorilla is no joke, man. That music video is on YouTube somewhere. Look up Bikini Gorilla. Enjoy yourself. Yes, Bikini uh -huh. Gorilla. 
Bikini Gorilla is great. Tanya Tomics, also a talent. And she's uh, been on our show. She was on our uh, last show, actually. So, uh, yeah, check out all these wonderful, talented people's stuff. They're great. I feel very uh, honored to have all of this wonderful talent on our show. I hope you enjoy listening to it. And if you're really, really bored, you can head out over to the YouTube channel of ours, Special Mark Productions, because I finished my Godzilla challenge of watching all 32 Toho produced Godzilla films before Godzilla King of the Monsters, which comes out tomorrow. Dude, that is so cool that you did that. That is so awesome that you did that. That's got to be my favorite thing you've done. That's oh, so great. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, it was a journey for sure. And, and doing a review on my channel even more so uh, posed a bit of a, a, you know, a good self challenge, but it was fun. It was eye opening. It was very interesting. I'm not sure if I'll do that with another franchise. The only other franchise I think that's almost as long as that is James Bond. So, um, yeah, <laughs> but it was fun. And so you can check that out, folks. There is a playlist out there with all the Godzilla reviews I did. So in case you're interested at all, uh, learning about Toho's uh, progression of the big G. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much for listening, folks. And now just say good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, all my friends out there looking for more Spoiler Room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive Spoiler Room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the Spoiler Room, as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support, and remember in the Spoiler Room, the conversation is fresh, but we do spoil the movies.